Weekly Laws Podcast, episode number 158. Hey, cool, you fixed it. Don't expect anything. The chances of getting a signal are slim at best. Static's good, right? No. Reception is good. Wait, what's that? It's Russo's signal. Oh, crap. But this radio has a wider bandwidth. <laughs> That's what you call a party in a podcast. Hold it! Stop! Do you hear that? Welcome to the weekly Lost Edition of the Generally Speaking Production Network. Now, here are your hosts, Stephanie and Cliff. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Lost Podcast. My name's Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm Stephanie Ravenscraft. And we're here to do our full review of Season 4, Episode 11 of Lost, titled... Cabin Fever. All right. Is that right? Yes. I'm just guessing because I'm not looking at my notes right now. Okay. Are you going to pull up your notes because we're... They're pulled up here. I'm just multitasking. You're multitasking. Are you uploading other shows? I am. Oh, my goodness. Work's got to be done. Work does have to be done. We're always producing content here at gspn.tv world headquarters. I should have done them yesterday, but I've spent the most wonderful week with my new friends from Sex and the City. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. I watched the entire series in a week, which is sad, I know, but... (laughs) Hey, Stephanie. I'm finished now, so go ahead. We're going to start this show off with something that we haven't brought into a show in some time. However, I'm very excited about this very special Lost in the News. Lost in the News. All right, CM Sawyer is, uh, I believe his name is Chris, and is always posting wonderful content over at gspn.tv slash forum. And this week, uh, Chris made sure that I didn't overlook this particular story. And I am so glad that he emailed this one to me. It's from holidayreporter.com, and the title of the article is ABC Extends Final Two Seasons. And it's by James Hibbard, and this is what it says. ABC has found more hours for the final two seasons of Lost. The 2009 and 2010 editions of the hit drama will be 17 hours each, not 16 as previously planned. ABC has added two hours to the show's production plan because the WGA strike knocked three hours out of the current season. To partly compensate, the network recently added an additional hour to part two of the season finale, which will air on May 29th, which, of course, is our lost season finale party in Cincinnati, Ohio, folks. Uh, Go to gspn.tv. The main page has the information about how you can participate with us. Uh, it's absolutely free. We would love for you to RSVP now. Let us know that you're coming so we know how many, how much snacks to purchase. Anyway, uh, very excited about that. But anyway, all told, the changes will now wrap up the show with the same number of episodes that the producers and ABC negotiated last year. We were supposed to do 16-16-16, Lost co-creator Damon Lindelof said, but we ended up doing 14 this season, so so we owe two. Lindelof, however, ruled out the show extending beyond the remaining 34-episode order. Executive uh, producer Carlton Cuse and I worked hard to get the the show to end, 
that I let's see here to end that I think it. Carlton Hughes and you, I worked so hard to get the show to end that I think to suddenly say, oh, I think we got another season in us would be a betrayal to everyone involved in the show. But most of all, the audience, he said, it's better to retire your your number at the top of your game. For the upcoming season finale, Lindelof promised a more action-driven cliffhanger instead of the mind-bending flash-forward time shift that stunned fans last season. The finale this year will not be as tricky as last year, he said. Hopefully this year, it's a little more of a straightforward action-adventure narrative. But the ending of the episode will hopefully engage and intrigue people looking forward and leave people looking forward to the next season of the show. Lindelof declined to say whether the flash forwards will continue, but did leave open the possibility of the show's main storyline on the island catching up with the flash forwards and ha- that have taken place on the mainland since uh, mainland this season. Stephanie, it's very exciting. It's very exciting that the audience is going to be wondering when is the present going to be next season. He said, "We've." We've moved backward in time. Now we've moved forward in time. The present of the show has always been on the island. That may not necessarily be the case in the future. (laughs) When it comes to time to air the season finale in 2010, Lindelof said he and Q's plan to go into hiding for many, many months at an undisclosed location. David Chase said, a great example when he went off to Paris after the Sopranos ending, which is great because all of these people are going to be asking, what does it mean? What is it? He said, the fact that there's no one really around to answer that question, it forces people to come up with what they think it means. We can guarantee our show will not end with a cut to black. It will be more clear than that. But whenever anything you love ends... There's a certain disappointment. Absolutely. And so the good news here is that, of course, we did get an extra hour uh, added tacked on right to the season finale, which is awesome. And not only that, not only that, but now two more hours added to the final two seasons as well. That, my friends. One hour to each season. Well, that's what I meant. Yeah, two hours to the last two seasons. What you just said. One hour to the last two seasons. One hour each to the last two seasons. <laughs> Let's explore the Two mystery. hours to the remaining series. <laughs> We're lost on an island. Runner from boars and freaking monsters. Polar bears. polar bears. I've looked into the eye of this island, and what I saw was beautiful. Lost. Exploring the mystery. Ah. <sighs> cannot tell you how excited I am, Stephanie, that we have mystery, mystery, mystery to explore. Not that I haven't not that I haven't enjoyed some of the relationship crap that they give us. I mean, that that stuff's all good and, and all, but wow. 
mystery galore, more questions, more answers. It's all fun and games here in Lost Land. In fact, uh, what I've done is I have in our show notes, by the way, somebody in our chat room, I'm sure will post a link for the show notes uh, for anybody who's in the chat room who's come in as after uh, we got started. Oh, a bunch of people posted it. Thank you very much. Uh, we have some awesome people in our community that join us in these live shows, and they are just awesome, keeping everybody up to date. So anyway, I have some show notes, and we're going to go through them and talk about some things, because uh, there's lots of things to talk about. So first thing we had mentioned, uh, there was, who was that that was in our show for the initial reaction who said... Richard Alpert was, um, you know, the theory that Richard Why Alpert... Why do you have to do that to me? I don't remember. Crystal. That, Crystal, yes. Anyway, uh, but yes, Crystal said, said that, you know, it was her theory that maybe Richard Alpert was the guy that she, Emily was dating, who mm-hmm. was twice the age, and um, that, that perhaps maybe he's the father. Now, I was reading around some different forums, obviously, uh, and one of the forums that I, I checked out this week was Lostaholics, and there's okay. a girl name that posts there called, called Lost Girls, and uh, she posted the following, and she, she gave us a little bit of a transcript from Season 1, Episode 19, which is uh, what happened between... This is um, some uh, dialogue that happened between Emily and... And Locke in that episode. Okay. Okay. So Locke says, who are you? Emily says, I'm, I'm your, your mother. mother. And then Locke says, look, miss, I don't know. Let's see. I don't know why, why you think I'm your son or how you found me, but, and she says, you're adopted, aren't you? No, no. I was raised in a foster home. Well, several foster homes, actually. Look, I don't mean to be rude, but what do you want from me? Emily replies, I want you to know that you are special, very special. Now get this, you you are part of a design, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't realize that, do you, or don't you? Uh, or you do realize that, don't you? That our meeting, me finding you, this is a sign of things to come, great things. Locke says, my father, is he still alive? Emily says back, still alive? Oh, John, don't you understand? You don't have a father. You were immaculately conceived. (laughs) Wow, it's fun to always go back to those early transcripts from season one and to see how this was all set up back then. Now, here's what I've been reading on, on various forums. This is, and I can't even cite just one place because it's just all over the place. And what, I, what I'm talking about is the fact that people are discussing whether or not John Locke was a test tube baby. Okay. Okay. And, and maybe Richard Alpert was involved with Emily, but not necessarily as, you know, in, you know, obviously impregnating her, but instead as an experiment or whatever. And could it be possible, is what I've seen someplace else, that Ben also doesn't have a mother and instead is a two, test tube baby. I, now, could it possibly be... But we met Ben's mom and we watched her give birth to him. Okay, but but what you, what I'm talking about you, is that fertilization of the you egg... You mean he doesn't have a biological father? Yes, that's what I mean. I, I don't know what Just, all that stuff is. Okay. 
Anyway, the, the, <laughs> he has a mom. Clearly, he came from somewhere. Okay, but I'm talking. You know where they go in and they impregnate the wife without. In, I don't know. Who in cares? In vitro. Yeah, yeah, whatever that stuff is. You so, can't bring up a theory if you don't know what it means. I well, you know, hey, I was just reading lots of stuff online, and I okay. I just want to say that it's you know I I really like the idea of um of Ben or of Richard being Locke's dad, but I really don't believe it. I think it's Say an, that again? I, okay. Okay. I really like the the theory that Richard is ben, is Locke's dad. Okay. But I don't think that he is. Okay. Okay. I think that Richard is more along the lines of searching for something and and looking for somebody and wanting to know uh, you know, is Locke the one and and maybe came along after the fact. I don't I don't know, but I, something inside of me just doesn't buy that Richard Alpert is Locke's dad. Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's all. Uh, although I think it's a totally awesome theory. I still do. Uh, just one that I don't buy into. All right. So next note in the uh, show notes here is Horace's nose, nosebleed has got a lot of people talking. Okay. Uh, in fact, some of some folks are out there talking in forum land whether or not this is a sign that he's actually tripping through time like we saw with Desmond and... Uh, What's that guy's name? Minkowski mm-hmm. uh, in The Constant. Remember the nosebleed? I do. And it's like, why? I mean, sure, he says he's been dead for you know 10 or 11 years or whatever. Uh, but, but why the nosebleed from the one nostril? That is just exactly the same symptom that both Desmond and Minkowski had. Right. So, um, and of course, then there's the whole, I mean, gosh, I even tried to copy and paste into the show notes some of the discussion out there in forum land regarding this. And it's just so deep and so heavy it would have taken an entire episode just to talk about the way that they were talking about him and the fact that you know he was trying to go back but he kept looping back and that's why it was over and over again and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Now Crystal is back on the line, by the way. Okay. And she's requesting the talk. So let's see what Crystal has to say. Crystal, you're on the line. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Okay, so the, uh, the Richard may or may not be Locke's father. I think. Can you hear me? Yep. Go yeah. ahead. Okay. I, I didn't know. <laughs> um, it, it, Richard may or may not be Locke's father, and the but the point is that Cooper can't be. Okay. Okay. The man that that we thought was Locke's father, the man that Locke had Sawyer kill, who he thought was his father could not possibly be his father because of the age difference. I w- Just in that small conversation that uh, she had with her mother, argument really, there's, it makes it pretty clear that there's no way that Anthony Cooper could be Locke's dad. Not necessarily, because he was sick. So that could have made him appear older than he actually was. But he looked the same... As he he didn't he hadn't aged by the time he he shows up on the island. That's because time on the island's messed up. Which is it, that's possible, but I don't. I think that uh, the idea that John Locke, like when she said that he was an immaculate conception, I think that lends to the fact that maybe rather than being the father, uh, with this the 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 lost the guy from the island 
Richard. Thank you. Richard, because we know he's part of the science group, he was working, he, he's one of the people that recruited uh, Juliet specifically for the reason of children. Maybe he was the one who kind of seduced Locke's mother into the program. If that makes okay. a little more sense, it does. Yep, yep. And maybe she was a part of. Uh, anyway, um, you know, uh, there there's definitely a lot to to be said for all of this stuff, and it can, you know, obviously, um, we we can all have different opinions on on certain things, but um, it, it the, something is definitely going on there. We do know that whether or not I I would say, you know, I, I don't know anything about John's dad's real age and and how that would play out. But there, it, there seems to me, it, it seems to me that Emily's mom recognized Richard Alpert, okay, when she saw him, and you know, could he be the guy that is twice her age that she was talking about? And if that's the case, then. Um, then what would happen would be, you know, is it Richard, you know, is Richard the biological dad or was he working on behalf of Midlos Labs, uh, which we obviously see in a and something else coming up in a little bit we'll talk about. But anyway, there, there's definitely some interesting things going on there. Anthony Cooper, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that he wasn't Locke's dad, but instead was a part of, you know, Locke was, well, I don't know. Locke had the same... Was was a match for him, and I, I, who knows? My my mind's just starting to hurt. But let's let's move on to something else. Um, but anyway, the nosebleed was really interesting. Uh, whether or not, I mean, obviously it was a dream. We know that. But was was Horace doing time jumping? Is the question, and is that something that had to do with his nosebleed? Okay. So. A lot of different uh, things going on there. Let's go ahead and move on to the next note in our notes. And that would be Locke's test as a young boy. The the test where he has to choose uh, the item that actually belongs to him already. Okay. And uh, Bima from the Fuselage wrote this. It says, that scene was directly lifted from how Buddhist monks search for the reincarnated spirit of the Dalai Lama inside a child so i guess alpert was looking for the reincarnated spirit of someone uh inside Locke, perhaps maybe jacob i don't think it has anything to do with time jumping as others have suggested uh one of the things that i find interesting is that um personally i think this reminds me of when you go back to three minutes and walt tells uh his dad they, they make, make me, me take tests exactly right. And so uh, Lost Girl from over at Lostaholics posted something from uh, wikianswers.com um, and the question being, how is the Dalai Lama chosen? Now, I am so sorry because I do not know how to pronounce the the words that are, are obviously not, that are a bit foreign to me. But here is a little excerpt from that wiki answer. Uh, it says, the child recognized him and called out, Suri Lama, Suri Lama. Suri was Kisang Reproaches Monastery. Anyway, the next day, now this is, this is where it, it really gets good. The next day they left only to return a few days later uh, as, a formal, as a formal deputation. 
This time, they brought with them a number of things that had belonged to the 13th Dalai Lama, together with several similar items that did not. In every case, the infant correctly identified those belonging the, those items belonging to the 13th Dalai Lama, saying, it's mine, it's mine. This more or less convinced the search party that they had found the new incarnation. It was not long before the boy from Taxter, I guess, uh, was acknowledged to be the new Dalai Lama. The boy, whatever this name is, was first taken to Kum, uh, Kumbum Monastery. So check that out. That right there seems to be an exact lifting. I, I would have to agree with Bima that 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 is a that seems to be exactly what they're trying to point to here. That maybe they're saying John Locke is the new reincarnation of Jacob. Okay. And do you recall a couple episodes back, or I don't even know what season it was anymore, but I think it was this season. Uh, when we saw into the into the uh, cabin and we saw Jacob, right? And Jacob appeared as though he looked identical to John Locke. Do you recall that? The very first time we saw, yes, Jacob. Okay, yes. looked just like John Locke. And so my qu- my guess is is maybe what they're trying to say here is that they were looking to find out whether or not John Locke is the new uh, reincarnation okay. of Jacob. Okay. I have no idea. But uh, anyway, obviously they were very interested in John Locke because they continue to uh, follow him around. Now, uh, one of the items in that test was a comic book. Stephanie? Yes, it was. And I read the following from losteastereggs.blogspot.com. In the comic book that Richard Alpert showed young John Locke was was Mystery Tales issue number 40. This issue was published in 1956. Now, I don't know if the date means anything or not, but the comic included story titles such as, and listen to these titles, The Hidden Land. Sound familiar? Yes. A Warning Voice. Uh, The Travelers. Okay. All right. Crossroads of Destiny. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sammy's Secret. And The Silent Stranger and March Has 32 Days. Now, th- that, that sounds funny, but with the time jumping and stuff. Right. You never yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, that is awesome stuff. So anyway, and then if you look at the cover, if you look at the cover of Mystery Tales, that comic book, and uh, we have it here in our show notes, and we'll post this in our, in our show notes um, in our forum or something. I'll put a link to these things somewhere. Anyway, uh, if you look at the the cover from this comic book, you see uh, two pictures of a city, right? Right. And if you look at that, take a look in ter- you know the uh, the new Lost logo that we get the that splash we got screen? at the end of, or the beginning of this season. Yes, and if you turn it up, if you uh, look in the water, you see an upside down mm-hmm. version of a city. Flip that image over. And look at that cityscape and then look at, I wonder if, some people are saying, I wonder if that those are the cities shown on the cover of that of that book. Okay. So here, and you're looking at it now, do you, do you see any similarities there <clears throat> that stand out at all? Anyway. Yes. Okay. Yes. So we'll, we'll post all that stuff. Right. But anyway, 
Uh, moving along here, the next thing I found was Locke's drawing of the smoke monster. And okay. this I found from the getlostpodcast.com. Uh, those guys do an amazing job at working at getting some great uh, screen captures. So keep up the good work, guys. I noticed, you know, in my research, I'm noticing them putting out a lot of good content uh, for their research. But anyway, uh, they've taken and superimposed some images from episode one uh, or season one, episode 24, Exodus part two, where John is uh, to the ground and the smoke monster seems to be uh, hovering over him just as he is in the picture of the stick drawing. Yes. <coughs> All right. So they did a good job with that. They did do a good job with that. Now, the uh, next thing I found... I want the job of the person who got to draw that scribble. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, They have an official Lost podcast out, a video podcast that came out, I think, yesterday. It was very interesting. It was the guy who carves the uh, props. Like he's a he's a cool. his job is to carve things into um, the, the the diesel engine in the uh, in the freighter. Okay. The diesel engine is completely all like this hardened polyurethane or urethane coating stuff. Right. It's it's it none of that is is metal at all. Well, isn't that what the hatch was made out of too? I think. Well, no. That the hatch was foam. But uh, this was like something okay. else. It was some kind of molding or something like okay. that. Uh, it's like a liquid that you pour into a mold, and then it, the liquid hardens kind of thing. Anyway, um, Locke's Locker. Locke's Locker. Locke's Locker. So Locke gets locked in a locker. And uh, we obviously, even during the initial reaction, we even pull, pointed out the Geronimo Jackson album cover, mm-hmm. right? Now, behind that, if you scroll and look at the screen capture, you'll see that there's another picture that seems to be taped in right behind the Geronimo Jackson poster. And it's a picture of a man named Sir Richard Burton. And uh, Sir Richard Burton was a Victorian explorer. He was a writer and a translator known for his travels in Asia and Africa. And he was also very popular for uh, for translating uh medieval or uh, ancient erotica books such as karma sutra okay any, anyway uh the amazing stuff you find out on uh right. wikipedia let me tell you anyway i don't know i i looked through his bio and i couldn't find anything that would seem particularly interesting to me however um i did notice that the date of uh, that he was alive was 1821 to 1890 don't know if that has anything to do with anything Right. But that's that's the only thing that stood out to me there. All right. So uh, time bending is the next thing I want to talk about. All right. So uh, the next thing that I found on time bending was actually uh, Texas Flyboy from Lostaholics.com. Uh, and he wrote this. He says, when Danny Boy did his rocket experiment on the island, uh, it, the, the island actually or did his time, his rocket experiment. The island seemed to lag behind what should have been real time, and it appeared last night that the island was ahead of real time. So that so then perhaps we shouldn't take thirty four minute this thirty four minute thing as canon and try to speculate what's going on in terms of projecting out timelines. I totally agree with that. Okay. There were a lot of people just saying that, you know, the island is off thirty four minutes and trying to do some kind of equation to find out what real timelines. I don't think you can do that at all. Um, anyway, he says if time, if the time band, let's see, if the time bend 
oscillates back and forth like radio waves, then the island would have the ability to be behind real time and ahead of real time as time as it oscillates, basically. What mm-hmm. I'm sure some people really understand what all that means. I can kind of, just through the context of it, understand what they're saying. Anyway, I think that it went just further to illustrate that to, that there is time warp or some kind of bending of time on the island. I mean, uh, he was dead for sure when we saw him floating to the island, and most likely he was dead just a few minutes after hitting the water. But I think that some, there is something about the radio waves being able to carry on regardless of how time is oscillating. Alrighty, we took just a short break there. I had to go get something to drink. It was getting really bad. Uh, Anyway, it it does. So uh, one of the things, we were talking about the uh, time bending thing. And the more I got to thinking about this whole thing, and as I was reading the forums and doing a lot of research for tonight's episode, I had always said, you know, Richard Alpert doesn't age. That it just seems that he never ages. Seems to be the case. What exactly? That does seem to be the case. Right. However, with all this time jumping going on and the ability to move backward and forward in time, or at least the theory and the possibility of that happening, could it be that just Richard has perfected the art of time jumping? And so, therefore, it's not that he doesn't age. He's just jumping back and forth in time to all these different times. What do you think about that, Stephanie? I don't know. Do you like the Do you like the thought that he doesn't age more, or yeah, you like that one better? Yeah. Okay. Is it why? Just cooler. All right. I don't know. <clears throat> but how could he have perfect? I mean, we see Minkowski and Desmond, and um, and even now, what appears to be Ben. Who are time jumping and are having these, you know, um, started with a nosebleed. It, you know, Minkowski couldn't get a constant. It killed him. Um, you know, Desmond was physically ill as well going through this. Um, you know, Ben vomited after what appeared to be his time jump. So how could he have perfected it without having died first? Maybe you know, he, just, could he have had a constant earlier uh, on? I don't know. I, I'm not saying that I have the answer. I, I don't know. I, I like the idea that... <clears throat> that he just doesn't age. That he just doesn't age. That he, he is an, an original person from the Black cooler, Rock. Yeah, it would, be, it would be a cooler explanation in the storyline of Lost if he didn't age rather than perfecting time jumping. Okay. I, For me. Yeah, no, no. Then that's, what, and that's exactly what I was asking me, is your so. opinion. Very cool. All right. So, you know, of course, a lot more could be said about that. In fact, I, again, a whole, I could have done a whole episode worth of stuff uh, just on the research that I found for time bending and time jumping. Uh, but we're just going to move right on, on along to um, the summer camp uh, offer that was given to John Locke after they pulled him out of the locker. Okay. So this came from uh, Gary from Tampa, Flor- Tampa Florida who is one of the gspn.tv listeners out there, and he emailed me to point this out. He said, did you notice that the pamphlet that uh, John Locke got was from Mitlos Laboratories? And so I've got a screen capture of that. Mm -hmm. You do see it says Mitlos Laboratories Summer Camp. So 
that is the science summer camp or the island camp, I guess you could say, that uh, was offered to him. And, of course, we had heard about Mitlos Bioscience from, back from uh, – the Juliet centric episode, not in Portland. Right. That was season three, episode seven. And also, uh, I think it was Gary from Tampa who also reminded me that Mitlos uh, is an anagram for lost time. Hmm. So thank you, Gary, for that. And uh, the last thing in my uh, notes, and then, uh, then of course I'm going to go to Michael for just a moment and see what he has to say. But anyway, this is the big one, okay? During the, uh, goodness gracious, during the initial reaction, I had mentioned the Montauk uh, experiment or you project. Had. The Montauk project. And I, I was like, man, I remember hearing the guys over at Lost Cast's podcast back when I started really getting heavy into Lost. And it, was, it may even have been before I started podcasting about Lost with you or okay. we. Okay. Um, anyway, it, it was the Montauk project, but they also were talking about it in conjunction or at the same time as the Philadelphia experiment from 1943. So, Stephanie, I'm going to need your help here. Okay. All right. What I would like you to do is to uh, help me read through some Wikipedia article stuff on these two things, okay? Okay. I'll start off. The Philado- this is the Philadelphia experiment from 1943. Actually, I'm going to have you start it off. Okay. <clears throat> and if you don't, just yeah, just go through it. The okay. experiment was the conducted. The experiment was conducted by Dr. Franklin Reno or Reinhardt as a military application of the unified field theory, a term coined, coined by Einstein. Though a special application of some version of the theory, it was thought possible with specialized equipment and sufficient energy to bend light around an object in such a way as to render it essentially invisible to observers. Okay, stop there. So, with specialized equipment, which that hatch, the Swan Station, seemed to have some kind of specialized equipment, right? Right. The island, such as the island that they're lost on, seems to have some kind of freaky energy okay okay and and one would yes. think if you needed energy whatever energy the island has would seem to be sufficient okay okay now it says with specialized equipment and sufficient energy get this to bend light now do you remember what faraday said when he came onto the island what was his words? Do you remember? Or just, I don't remember his exact words. <clears throat> something about the... Did you see how the, the light is refracted or something like yeah. that? Which is talking... Oh, yes, he said the light scatters. The light scatters. So, with specialized equipment and sufficient energy to bend light or maybe even to... Around s- an object. To scatter it. Or an island. Oh, exactly. Around an object or an island. You could essentially render it essentially invisible to observers. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Does that sound uh, something that cool. it might... Okay. Yep. Anyway, so the Navy. The Navy, which was engaged in World War II at that at the time, considered this application of the theory to be obvious military value, of obvious military value, and approved and sponsored the experiment. A destroyer escort, the USS Eldridge, was allegedly fitted with the required equipment at the naval yards in Philadelphia. 
The experiment was further alleged not to have properly been recalibrated to this end, but in spite of this, the experiment was performed again on October 28th. This time, Eldridge is alleged to have not only become almost entirely invisible to the naked eye, but... Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But actually <laughs> vanished from the area in a flash of blue light. Whoa, 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 whoa. A flash of light? Did blue you light. say? Well, uh, Which is close to purple. Uh-huh. Which is what we saw when the uh-huh. hatch exploded. So, so a flash of light. Okay, go ahead. However, the U.S. naval base at Norfolk, Virginia, just over 215 miles away, is alleged to have reported sighting the Eldridge offshore. Whereupon the Eldridge vanished from their site and reappeared in Philadelphia at the site it had originally occupied in an apparent case of accidental teleportation. Okay, okay. First of all, I see Icebird in our chat room. Says He says, wait a minute, wait a second. D- are you guys saying this like really happened? And in the chat room, they're all answering, well, some say it did. And if you go, wikipedia.com, just do a search for uh, Philadelphia Experiment, and this is all in there. This is, it's a conspiracy theory. The Navy adamantly denies that any of this ever took place. So, uh, it, but it is, it is a, some are saying it's an urban legend, whatever. But, but all I'm saying is that regardless of this, whether, whether true or not, it supports the theory of loss. That's exactly what we're getting at. Whether or not it's true or not, it certainly does seem... And that, since our whole lost experience is make-believe anyway. Uh-huh. So so anyway, get this, a flash of light, and I love this. Um, it, it not only disappears, but it vanishes completely, and over 215 miles away, there's a sighting of the almost. Eldritch. I'm sorry, almost, or just over... Uh, it says, yeah, anyway. It's almost entirely <clears throat> invisible to the naked eye. So yes. it was not completely, they're saying that it wasn't completely invisible. Okay, gotcha. Anyway, it vanished from their sight and reappeared in Philadelphia. You know, So basically, people had seen it. This was an apparent case of accidental teleportation. Now, Stephanie, if you'll continue on. Okay. Okay, the alleged physiological, right? Physiological, but yeah. Okay, that's what I thought I said. Anyway, um, the alleged physiological effects of the experiment on the crew were profound. Now listen to this. This is good, good, good stuff right here. Ready? Yeah. Okay. You have to say it with excitement because this is awesome. Almost all... (laughs) This is exciting. Almost all of the crew were violently ill. Exactly. Violently ill. Well, that's not funny. It just supports our theories. What What happened to Minkowski? Not funny. He died. But but was he or was he not violently ill? I don't know. What is the definition of violently ill? I would would assume that blood dripping from your nose might be violently ill. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Some were alleged to have suffered from mental illness, such... Okay, as a result of their experience. Okay, could that explain Danielle? Remember Danielle saying that afterwards they got an, they all got sick. They all got sick, and they went crazy, violently ill. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. go ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay, behavior consistent with schizophrenia. 
Is that really how you spell schizophrenia? It is. Cool. I never knew that. Okay. Behavior consistent with schizophrenia is described in other accounts. Still other members like Jacob D. Murray were physically unaccounted for, supposedly vanished, and five of the crew were allegedly fused to the metal bulkhead or deck of the ship. Now, get this, folks. Yes, this is something that some people are supposing is true and a part of history, okay? So, one person completely unaccounted for, they don't know what happened to him, he vanished during this accidental uh, case of teleportation. And there were five crew members who, when the ship reappeared, they repositioned themselves in such a way that they actually became, their bodies became fused with the deck of the ship when it actually physically came back into its present being. But go ahead. Okay. Still others were said to fade in and out of sight. Sometimes they would disappear. Then crewmates would stick their heads into the spot they had... But that's okay. Okay. Hands into the spot they had disappeared and try to grab the crewmate. But if they did not, that that spot would burst into flames. Horrified by these results, Navy officials immediately canceled the experiment. All of the surviving crew were invo- um, involved were discharged. In some accounts, brainwashing techniques were employed in an attempt to make the remaining crew members lose their memories concerning the details of their experience. Yeah, in fact, the guys came in with black suits on with sunglasses and a little pen. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, so that is the Philadelphia experiment that I was uh, referring to during the initial reaction. Now, just let's talk about for just a moment the Montauk Project. Uh, It says, there are those who believe the Montauk Project was an extension of or a continuation of the controversial Philadelphia experiment, which supposedly took place in 1943. Get this. Various conspiracy theorists claim that experiments began in the er in the earnest of 1982 through 1987 and 1998. They claim that during... 88. I'm sorry, 1988... Uh, the they claim that during this time one or let's see they uh, this time one. one some or all of the following occurred at the site. Okay, so they so, so depending on who you talk to, they would claim that either one of these, some of these, or all of the following occurred at the site where this um, Montauk project happened. No evidence has ever been given or provided that any of the following is true. However, I just want to take from the the many list of things uh, out and just share with you. The first one, Stephanie. Experiments were conducted in teleportation, parallel dimensions, and time travel. Hmm. Time travel, possibility of parallel dimensions, and possibility of teleportation, such as, hmm, moving an island, maybe? Uh, Interesting theory. Anyway, uh, the next one, Stephanie. A portal in time was created which allowed researchers to travel anywhere in time or space. This was developed into a stable time tunnel. Okay. Now that sounds a little uh, Stargate SG-1 to me, or Stargate anyway, to me. But anyway, uh, what I like about this is the fact that, you know, Ben could, uh, you know, run down into a little time tunnel with his jump shoot off on and 
land in the middle of uh where was it he landed in the desert somewhere in the desert anyway but yes all right and then the uh last thing stephanie this one is really really cool on or about on august 12th 1983 the time travel project at camp hero interlocked in hyperspace with the original rainbow project which was the philadelphia experiment also they had two different names okay with the original rainbow project back in 1943 the uss eldridge was drawn into hyperspace and trapped there two men al al bielek 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 and duncan cameron both claimed to have leaped from the deck of the USS Eldridge while it was in hyperspace and ended up after a period of severe disorientation at Camp Hero in the year 1983 at Montauk Point. Here, they claimed to have met John von Neumann, a famous physicist and mathematician, even though he was known to have died in 1957. John von Neumann had supposedly worked on the original Philadelphia experiment, but the U.S. Navy denies this. Check that out. I I don't care if it's true or not, but man, is that just awesome stuff. You know, that is really, really cool stuff. So anyway, that is what I wanted to share with you guys. And I mean, the obvious tie-ins to at least some of what the the is going on on this island if if it doesn't directly relate to what's being told on the island there is no doubt in my mind that the writers of lost know all about this montauk project and the philadelphia experiment and have allowed it to heavily influence their writing and i am certain <laughs> Beth says, Cliff, you guys lost me in Philadelphia. Yeah, me too. <laughs> anyway. I just read it and I still don't understand. It is awesome stuff. But I, I have no doubt that after Lost is over and they share finally how, you know, where all they were influenced by and, and they talk about the books, and which they've done to some degree. But I bet you that the Montauk Project and the Philadelphia Experiment is going to come through. And so now I'm going in here and I'm looking for Michael, who is no longer dialed on the phone. Uh, So uh, we are going to talk about something interesting that Dark UFO found. Um, Let's see if uh, you need to. Okay, so I don't see Michael in the on the phone anymore. So I'm just going to go ahead and share what we found. If he wants to dial back in, we'll bring him back in. Anyway, uh, this is in the show notes, but um, it says the device that Kimi. Uh, is using on his arm. A lot of people were wondering what it was. Of course, for the show, it, it, it's apparently a detonation device of some type, right? Right. However, um, somebody went through, and I guess somebody who's a musician and has is very familiar with the Korg uh, digital digital metronomes, the especially the model MA30. They realized that that is exactly what he has on his arm. And so Michael did dial back in. Let's see what Michael has to say. Michael, go ahead. Michael? All righty. So we're not getting any audio from Michael. So uh, anyway, uh, Michael, if you if you figure out what's going on with your audio, we'll bring you back in. But anyway, uh, I'll post that'll be in the show notes as well. Uh, but you can That's see it. Cool. Do you see the? Yeah, it's, I see it. It's I do. quite clear. Alrighty. So with that, it is now time for 
Yes. Colonel Locke, is this line secure? Line secure, go ahead. Hey, Cliff, Stephanie, Toy. This is Michelle from Texas. This is Kim from Indiana. Josh from California. Jennifer from Florida. Sam in Tucson. Kimberly from California. Paul in Memphis, Tennessee. Listener feedback. Target area is acquired. We are a go. Roger that. Alrighty, listener feedback, and boy, was there quite a bit of it. One of the things that I have here is uh, from Wendy, who emailed us recently, and uh, Wendy is Wendy is just a wonderful person. I know that I gosh, where was I? I think it was on our trip to on my trip to Boston. Uh, uh, she and her family offered to have me stay with them uh, during that trip, and and we've had some wonderful email conversa- conversations right. uh, back and forth since then. But lately, she uh, has been sharing with me a project that she had been working on, and she says, "Hey, hey there, Cliff. Um, I have finally done something with the stuff that I've been working on. It's not a podcast, but it is a blog, or at least for now, anyway. I may even put up the old shows that I did to test the waters, but I have been." concentrating on for about a year writing lost parody songs i figured out how to put one on the blog and wondered if you wanted to listen to it over at ms wendy that's ms wendy dot wordpress dot com and i will be putting up many more in the near future if you want to take a look go ahead to be honest i'm scared to do this but if you uh, but if i don't at least show someone my worth then i feel like i would have failed somehow Anyway, uh, and I figured putting yourself out there every day in podcasting land, you'd understand my dilemma. So absolutely. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play just a little bit of it. But here are, this is a parody of Betty Davis Eyes. And because I, did, I didn't think that you could hear the lyrics very well, I asked her if she would give me the lyrics. And here's what it says. His hair is neatly combed. His lips uh, tell truthful lies. He likes his chicken cold. He's got buggy wuggy eyes. He'll turn you. Uh, he'll let's see. He'll turn his manners on you. You might mistake as nice. His bunny's white as snow. He's got buggy wuggy eyes, and he'll banter about hamsters. And his island life is pampered. He's miraculous. He, it says he's malicious. Oh, I'm sorry. He's malicious. <laughs> Why don't you read some of it? Okay. He's malicious, but he knows how to make a beach brunch that's delicious. He's got Steve... Buscemi's ocul- ocular, ocular size. size. He's got buggy-wuggy eyes. Anyway, he's, I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, he says you can go home if that's what will suffice. Oh no, the submarine's blown. He's got buggy-wuggy eyes. He'll stick a needle in you with a pacemaker device. Oops, sorry, that's not true. He's got buggy-wuggy eyes. He's a liar, pants on fire, hanging from a telephone wire. He's atrocious, and I'll bet he's the one who took Claire's hairbrush. Saeed said that he was a spy. He's got buggy wuggy eyes when I have to school now. Oh, okay. Okay. And he'll banter about hamsters and his island life is pampered. He's malicious, but he knows how to make a beach brunch that's delicious. And then it, it's just the chorus okay. again. So. so so here you go. This is I a little... I love he's a liar, pants on fire. Yeah, Ma- McKenna was in here when I played it and she, she giggled when she heard it. So here you go. This is buggy wuggy eyes. 
I think that is awesome. I I really hope that you continue to make some more parody songs because I really did enjoy that. And uh, we would love to feature more of them in future episodes. And uh, we do seem to have Michael back on the line. And so let's see if we can get Michael in this time. Michael, are you there? Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. You must have got your network with Verizon fixed. Anyway, go Uh, ahead. I know, but... I have uh, AT&T. All righty, go uh, ahead. All right, so this is uh, my theory about the device that Kimi has on his arm. Okay. And um, I think that it's it actually functions as a fail-safe detonator, seeing as how the writers love that word. And um, the reason why, why I think it's a fail-safe detonator is um the reason why it's on his arm is because I think that it's also a heart rate monitor, and if it detects that uh, your heart rate has gone down and you've have a you've had a heart attack and you're dead, then it'll set off the bombs. 
Uh, so I think that's why uh, when he showed it to everyone on the freighter, that they all got scared and didn't want to shoot him because they knew that uh, it would cause the detonator to detonate the bomb. Hmm. I will give you... It's an interesting theory. Very cool. I like that, Michael. I like it, and he's just crazy enough to pull it off. He is just crazy enough to pull it off. And you know what? Perhaps, uh, you know, obviously that is... Especially the part about... About it detonating, monitoring his heartbeat and and detonating it if it. Yeah, the only thing that the only thing that worries me there is that just seems so close to what happened with Sawyer and Ben. But you know, hey, I. What I, do you mean Sawyer and Ben? With what Ben did to Sawyer with the heart rate monitor kind of thing, it just seems like man that they've already used that one though. No, but Ben yeah. was just manipulating him. I understand. Yeah. But anyway, I definitely, um, I definitely like that theory, and we'll see how it plays out. I, I'm wondering if Kimi doesn't actually end up being the one who saves this, the people who actually get off the island. I don't know. It, He's it, too crazy. He seemed a little He's bit. Too crazy. He it, did. He almost seemed like a. He seemed like a little boy when Ben actually called him out on who he was. I, if you go back and see that I scene. I think that he was surprised that Ben knew who he was. Not only that, but I think he was cut to the heart when Ben pointed I out. Don't. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Now, uh, Icebird says, no, that's wacky theory. Kimi saving everyone. So, yeah, you know. I, I don't think I don't think that he was. How did you say it? Cut to the heart when Ben called him out, because wasn't that before he shot Alex? Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't buy that. OK. Okay, well, we'll I, I, I'm not but, saying I'm right. I'm just I know saying you're not. I'm just saying I don't agree with you. I, I figure if I don't throw it out there now that I can't say if it happens that it, I was thinking that I was thinking because right. then everybody's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. whatever. So anyway, that happens uh, to me all the time. So don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, next up, we have uh, Wayne Henderson posted a comment on the GSPN.TV Plus site uh, because Plus members can comment on any podcast that we do uh, over at GSPN.TV slash Plus Access. Anyway, what do you think about the new Lost logo at the end of the episode? In addition to the city skyline reflection in the bottom of the island, we now have some sort of building superimposed above the island. Maybe is that maybe is it the Dharma Temple or something building uh, or some building in the Middle East? Thoughts? Now, I did not see it. Did anybody else see this? I didn't because we're so focused on getting down here to start the show right. that. So that we don't really pay attention to the and I'm looking at the chat room and I don't see anybody else that saw it and but we can go back and check it again because we still have it right on our DVR so we'll have to go back and I they, it's it would be at the end of the episode you know kind yeah. of where they're showing you the preview for next week well, and right after right after the episode goes off don't they go to the yeah they go to the, they come, go to you the know, next mm-hmm. week on loss so anyway I didn't see it we'll have to we'll have to go and of course uh, Chris is looking on the DVR now. So um, I, what's weird is I didn't see it anywhere posted in any of the forums either. So Wayne, we'll, we'll get back to you on that one. Now, next up, this is coming from Stefan from the Netherlands. And he sent me an email and he was kind enough to actually record it into an audio file. And I tried reconverting this because it sounds like it's speeded up a little bit. But uh, we'll see if we can kind of comprehend what he's saying. If I can get my... Uh oh, I'm locked up. Hi, Chris and Stephanie. 
Remember the last weekend podcast when a talk show software dev- developer called in and Cliff explained the mobile show again where Christian Shepard instructed Vincent to wake up Jack because he had work to do? Thinking back about this makes me wonder if it wasn't all planned. Christian was already on the island, totally okay, in a suit with a tie, not messed up by the crash. So he probably wasn't on the Oceanic 815. He got to the island another way. If he planned this all, or helped plan it, it makes sense that he went to Australia, because he needed Jack to come after him, so that Jack would be on flight <coughs> 815 back from Australia. That way, Jack would end up on the island, and that would be good for Christian, because Jack is a good doctor, so if Christian was planning a group of people to come to the island, and he needed a doctor to give medical aid to these people if needed, Jack would have been his best choice. I know that the currently most believed and uh, accepted theory is that the plane crashed accidentally and then the crash was staged by either Whitmer or Ben. So flying into the certain bearing is supposed to be an accident. However, because the pilot of the plane was replaced moments before the flight took off, that's what uh, Lapidus told us, uh, he was supposed to, supposed to fly the plane originally, it makes me wonder if the new pilot, Seth Norris, was corrupted by the ones who planned the plane crash, so he could fly at that specific bearing on purpose. It's not directly relevant to the currently uh, airing episodes, but it's a fairly uh, fundamental issue to think about. Anyway, uh, wow, thank you so much, Stefan. Did you catch what he was saying? Yes. Okay. Go go ahead and and explain, because I know a lot of people were saying it was very quick. Okay, it was very quick, but he said that... um, you had brought up again Christian um, sending Vincent to wake up Jack. Yes. Okay, saying that he was saying that... Um, his that, clothes that weren't messed up. His clothes weren't messed up. He was perfectly groomed, straight suit, everything. Yep. Uh, so that he got to the island in another way. And the only reason he went to Australia was to have Jack follow him. Mm-hmm. So the dead body in the morgue was not actually Christian Shepherd. It was a plant because Christian is part of whatever is going on. Right. Those were my add-in words, not his. Right. Um, so, and, and saying that, and he also said that um, if he was going to bring a group of people to the island and they would need a doctor, and he believed that Jack was a great doctor, so he orchestrated that so that Jack would be be there to, to provide care for these people. Yes. Okay, so that's what he said there. And then um, was talking about the pilot, because we found out from... Um, What's his name? Lapidus. L- Lapidus. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just, I'm sorry. Damon and Carl. Does he have a first name? <laughs> it's Please. Just, it's just Lapidus. Give him a first. No, they've called him Frank. by a fr- Frank. Thank you. So we found out by Frank that he was originally supposed to fly that plane. But um, at the last minute, our, our pilot, our beloved um, pilot, uh, Weiss, Weiss from, from uh, Alias, Alias was was substituted and and flew that plane. Could he have been part of what was going on to fly Oceanic eight fifteen in that direct bearing to land those people on the island? The only thing is, we actually got to see him before he died, and he seemed to not know what was going on and and stuff like that. It didn't seem that he was lying, but I don't know. Anyway, but the the one thing is for sure, it but d- he he. He was in shock when he they woke him up. Also, I mean, because yeah. he had been like knocked unconscious, so you could have forgotten. He could yeah. have, you know, mild amnesia. Exactly. And so for for Stefan, we give. It's an interesting theory. All right. Yes. 
I like it. Alrighty, so uh, Mari or Mary from New York uh, wrote in, and I'm only bringing an excerpt here because we're running out of time. I really enjoyed it, along with every other one this season as far as this episode is concerned, and I have so many comments and theories forming in my head right now, That, but for right now, I'll... All I wanted to say is how super cool was this or how super cool was the scene when Ben and Hurley are sharing a Snickers bar very nonchalantly in front of Jacob's cabin. I love that part. Couldn't stop laughing and I'm sure Lost fans will enjoy it too. We don't get to slow down and sit for a chocolate break on this show, so it was cool to see. However, where did they get the Snickers bar from? Did it have the Dharma logo? And she went on uh, and it was funny because Mary said, uh, she says, uh, in the first line of her email, she goes, all I can say is holy, and it was S dot dot T. <laughs> but then she went on to say a lot more things, so she could say more than just that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're moving on to Andrew. What's up, Cliff and Steph? It's Andrew. Sorry I've been out of commission. I work at a game store part-time, and we were preparing for a big release of Grand Theft Auto 4, which was freaking awesome, but... Just letting you know, today I got the USA Today, May 6th, um, Web Watch by Whitney Matthewson. She has all the stuff that is on the web that you should know about. And she wrote, ABC.com has unveiled a game called Lost Scape. It's an interactive game. The website contains 34 hidden objects related to Lost. After seven are located, users will be eligible to enter to win a trip to Comic-Con in San Diego. I think you guys need to get on it. That sounds cool. Anyways, love the show. Um, I'm excited for this week, and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Andrew, thank you so much. And by the way, congratulations on your news story. Uh, he forwarded. He was like interviewed uh, on television in his, for his local news station uh, when Grand Theft Auto 15,000 came out or whatever Four. that is. But anyway, uh, I saw Four. that. I know. <laughs> I, I'm just kidding, Steph. I know you know. I'm a little bit more hip than that. Not much, though. Anyway, <laughs> Stephanie, I'm going to have you read uh, a note from Jerry. Okay. All right. Jerry wrote, Steph, I have thought about this since last night and I wanted and wanted to let it go, but feel you needed a little support. I feel that you were treated unfairly during the initial reaction last night. The guest in the chat room was not nice and at times rude. I felt for you when you got upset and was glad that you were able to hang in there for the rest of the podcast. You guys have one of the best lost shows out there. The community you and Cliff have created has a lot of powerful thoughts, theories, and questions that give me an endless supply of topics to keep me going through the week. That being said, and please take this with the good nature it is intended, my only problem is the chat room. It seems to be a necessary evil. You need it to get the community feel, but you both get distracted and it causes breaks in your shows. Last night, after your problem, you logged out and continued the show. It was great. Cliff was still logged in and getting updates, but because one of you could remain on point and focused, it was a great show. Does that make sense? I listened to many of your shows and wouldn't miss them even with the distractions, but wanted to let you know... what this listener noticed last night. Thanks for the great content. A happy listener, Jerry. All right. So, Stephanie, I want to ask you, during this show, have you looked at the chat room at all? Only while we've been paused. Okay. Okay. And are you looking at it now? No. Okay. So, so I would have to agree that... I, log- I, I logged into the show, to, to the chat room tonight, 
to be logged in. Yes. But not with the intention of reading it. Uh Uh-huh. Because right now, I'd love to say that I'm a grown-up. Uh-huh. But right now, I'm at a point where I'm, like, done with the chat room. Okay. You know? Yeah. I I would love to tell you guys that, you know, I'm a big girl and I can handle everything that life throws at me. But sometimes it's just one bad comment that really, you know breaks the spirit right and i'm not saying that my spirit is broken but by golly it was bruised and um so anyway no i haven't looked at the chat room while we have been while we have been talking but when i was in the chat room i would i i noticed that i'm glad that i wasn't in there because there was and i none of their comments were were rude or or meant badly but there is one person in there who kept saying things and i was getting defensive (laughs) now i only replied once in a joking manner i think that i you know that my reply was was taken well or at least i hope it was um but but i'm really glad that i wasn't in there because there was there was a a defensive reaction that was first instead of um taking it how it was probably really meant right so so with that all i can say is that that you know we are human do maybe to to those who because we cut a lot out of it oh yeah we we cut about eight minutes out of the initial reaction for the podcast for the podcast that was that was uploaded um to the feeds so what you missed was there there was a guest in the chat room who number 25 which means nothing because <laughs> number 25 will be different every week so but, but if get, you ever sign in and you're guest 25 and i get mean you know <laughs> i'm sorry it's probably someone who came before you it's a flashback <laughs> but um but i did they, they said some, well they said two things particularly about me and um and and they hurt and so i logged out of the chat room but what i'm getting from the people who remained in the chat room was like they kept going on so i'm glad that i logged out right because what i saw was enough to hurt you know yep and um and i'll and i'll let you know that um to to that person knows who they are and if they listen you know I hope they feel like crap. But anyway, <laughs> just <laughs> being us, honest. Seriously, Stephanie, don't hold back. No, Tell here, us really here is what here is what I want people to, to 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 know and to understand about me in the chat room from this point forward. Last night, I was attacked for having my opinion about the episode, or not last night, but Thursday night. And when this person said those comments about me, I said, "Well, okay, they're showing their opinion." So I let it go on. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you from now on, I will not. You will be muted. You will not be allowed <laughs> to comment in the chat room anymore if you say anything negative about me or my husband. Yep. That is a line that I'm drawing mm-hmm. and it is a line I will keep. Yeah. It, it's not necessarily that they were sharing an opinion that didn't agree with us, but they were being argumentative and, and, and rude and rude and disrespectful. And so that those are things we won't tolerate. And if I you would know, have known. I, I understand that, that we, we have opened ourselves up to ridicule. a certain amount of this. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, you yep. have to draw boundaries. Exactly. So and it take you know and seriously it only takes one negative comment to wash away the 30 you know positive comments that you get previous or after trying to make up for the one bit you know not that I I I loved Jerry's email when I when I got it this morning and I wanted to um 
to reply right away, but but I wasn't able to. And so I hope that she knows that you know this is my reply to her right now. You know, thank you for your words, and they really made me feel um, better about myself and and about what we do here. Yeah, but it's still not. I'm still working on getting those other words out of my head. Yeah, I, I think that some people believe that because we're behind a microphone, we have this large voice that we're supposed to be better than the average person. And you know, obviously, I'm only human. We, we certainly have our flaws, uh, both Stephanie and I. And you know, it's just it's, I have a lot of them. <laughs> and 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 they're going to shine through. I mean, especially when you do 158 weekly episodes of a of a podcast you're just going to you're going to see some of the real flaws and personality things that you know what it's it's the conflict stage in a relationship there's that time it's like are you going to make are you going to be able to push through this stage where all of a sudden we're annoying and as all get out and we say things like uh oh gosh what are some of the crazy things we used to say all the time and things of that nature and all that crud which isn't jerry the wife of the man who wrote in to tell you about and things of that I, was nature? that jerry lynn i don't know i don't I think, think so. i think is it the same jerry i, I don't, don't think know. it is maybe not no i think it was jerry think, lynn. yeah i think it was i think you're right yeah anyway um i know you're right so let's move on uh thank you for that i mean some people say you know it's it's best to just ignore that stuff i and, don't think and, it is but you know what we're we're human and we're not going to just ignore it i mean we are who we are and we love you guys and and i'm a people pleaser by nature and so it, it does those things do hurt but uh, we've said enough about it, and uh, Chris in here is already uh, talking uh, about something that we're even thinking about is having regular moderators. Talkshoe is actually... <laughs> I had one friend offer to be a bouncer. <laughs> yes. Talkshoe is already working on the, uh, the uh, in a future release. It's not one coming up in this next week or two, but in a future release, allowing us to have give other people the authority to moderate the chat room. And uh, so um, if anybody's interested in being a moderator, not just for the Lost Podcast, but for any of our podcasts, uh, and just tell us which ones you listen to and which ones you join us live for, uh, and uh, just send me an email to cliff at gspn.tv, and I will put you in a list of people that I'll get in touch with about possibly being a moderator as soon as I figure out the uh, the way of having that happen. But until then, I liked, I liked how we did it tonight. I mean, tonight you looked at the show notes. I kept an eye on the chat room. Uh, I'm getting pretty good at having uh, the ability to just ignore what's going on in the chat until we get to this section, the listener feedback. That's when I go and say, okay, that's here. And I just allow the beginning of the show or the first part of the show be where people are just chatting with each other, which is really cool. And they continue to do that. And uh, yeah, anyway, so let's move on to our last call. Call? You like that? Call for the evening. Hi, this is Doug in Atlanta calling for the Weekly Lost Podcast. Um, I've got a theory that John Locke, based on a number of things, least of, or most of all this past uh, episode, has been traveling through time at some point, and uh, I, I don't know why he hasn't mentioned it or why it hasn't been obvious to anybody else, but um, he just seems like he's new to this. In some, in some senses, new to the island, he seems to be that way, doesn't know what's going on, but in many senses, he already knows what's going on. For example, in this episode we see him with a picture of apparently the smoke monster as he's a little kid and then he's the only one on the island who doesn't seem to be afraid of it so much he, when it first seemed to grab him he wanted them to let him go and let it take him like he un, like he knew it was going to have it was, it was going to be okay somehow he knew that 
he walks around the island, seems to know when the weather's going to change. Um, he, uh, well, and, and if the theory goes, he is the son of Richard Alpert, um, then perhaps he has inherited some of uh, some of his uh, you know, special abilities or something like that, and uh, um, either time being timeless or something like that. But it, it just seems like he knows a lot about. He keeps saying that wasn't supposed to happen. But why? How would he know that? So just things like that lead me to believe that John Locke has has been time traveling and is either uh, not telling anybody or uh, doesn't really realize he had been or that kind of thing. Anyway, that's my theory, and I'm sticking with it. Thank you. All righty. Very good. Um, I, I missed that caller's name. I heard their whole. I that was heard Doug their in whole Atlanta. Voicemail. That was Doug in Atlanta. Okay, Doug in Atlanta. Um, that 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 voicemail would um, support the reincarnate theory. Yep. Having the feeling that that he's been there before and that he knows part of the island, but still having the the new and fresh experience of being there himself. Exactly. So um, the other thing is, I said that was the last voicemail, but I just realized it wasn't. So let me move on to Evan. Hey, guys. Um, I'm kind of freaking out. Well, it's Evan from Georgia again. Um, long-time listener, second-time caller for the Lost podcast. And um, I was just on the Lostpedia site for Claire. And if you look at the Par Avion flashback episode, right after the crash, she... Um, she has a band-aid above her right eye. And then if you go down to, um, if you freeze frame something nice back home, right before she's about to go in the jungle, and I forgot if that was that episode, but I just saw a picture from it. Um, she has that same band-aid above her right eye that she didn't get until the explosion happened. And in Par Avion, she's with her dad, and in something nice back home, she just saw her dad, so... I don't know. It's kind of freaky. I loved the episode. I don't know if you guys are following me, but um, yeah. Bye, <laughs> Evan. I think we I think we follow you. Freaking out! He's freaking out. Cute, Evan. Thank you for calling. I'm so glad that you've made your second installation of your feedback into our show. That's pretty cool, though. I I love it when people call in some good stuff like that, but, and the the whole par avion and is and, that the only episode we saw of. Claire's flashback. I don't with remember. Christian. I don't remember. That's when they met, right? That's after the car he's, accident. He's, he when mentioned they met. two episodes, uh, or was it both the same thing? I I can't remember. But anyway, it was it something nice back home was the one where she she left the jungle with Christian. Okay, that was two episodes ago. Okay, but Par Avion I think is where she was in the car. They showed her in a car crash with her mom. Right. And that's where she met Christian. Man, I'm trying to end as this, her father. Trying to end this show before an hour and twenty minutes. But all right, uh, well, wrap it up. I'm done. Well, the thing is, is I, I I'm, it's not even going to happen now. Okay. I, there are there are one, two, three other callers, and then there's coming up on Lost. I with thought Bonnie. you said that was the last call. I I thought it was, but it was it wasn't. So let me just go ahead and play the other three because it's just not going to happen in an hour and twenty minutes or less uh, this time. So here we go. Hi, Cliff and Stephanie. It's CC in Boston. Uh, I'm going to try this again. Uh, I agree with you. That message I left you last week was hideous. Uh, I knew what I said, and I couldn't even understand it. So uh, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Uh, yeah, it was a bad storm and a bad cell area. So um, the uh, the point that I was trying to make, and it was it was a 
a point, a theory, a question, I don't know what to call it exactly was, um, what are the odds that we have a flashback that is going to link uh, Kimi, Lapidus, Echo, and um, um, perhaps Saeed, and also the guy, um, uh, the Kelvin uh, from The Hatch, all together with some army reference, because uh, Ben mentioned Kimi has a, a CD history of service, but then some, uh, some other work, some freelance stuff in Africa. So I'm wondering if that'll bring him to cross paths with Echo, um, and also something where perhaps he served with Kelvin and or uh, Kelvin and Kimi served with uh, Lapidus somewhere. He was a helicopter pilot for something um, in the Army or elsewise. And then, uh, of course, you could throw Saeed into that as well. Uh, for his time in Iraq. So, um, just curious uh, what you think, um, if uh, they'll go that route. Thanks. Well, Cece, I thank you for that. I, I obviously I believe that probably if I in lost fashion, I think if anything, they'll show us maybe some connections where these people are connected in their past, but not necessarily. Which, like they've done before with the crossing paths, you know, um, Jack being the doctor when Shannon's dad yeah. died, and I mean they've shown these cross cross paths before, right? So, yeah, I like that we could see that. Yeah. Um, another thing is that uh, going to, since you just mentioned the car crashes, one of the things that I saw out in my research is the fact that there was a lot of talk about car crashes. Emily being, of course, involved in a car accident. <laughs> she was hit by a car. Uh, there was Claire and her mom in a car accident. There was Kate and two different guys in two different car accidents. Uh, there was uh, Anthony Cooper says all, one thing. The first thing I know or the last thing I remember, I was in a car crash and I wake up here and I am on this island. Uh, just a lot of things. And with Shannon, car- Shannon's dad. And that's how, you know, Jack met Sarah. So. Exactly. So uh, definitely a lot of things going on with car crashes. Um, the other thing I forgot to mention, these people are teleporting out of their cars. There you go. <laughs> uh, and the other thing I forgot to mention is the, uh, the folder with the backup plan or what was it called? Mm. The, the, um, I don't know. Anyway, backup plan works. Backup. Plan. <laughs> <laughs> works. I, yeah. Anyway. So anyway, they open up the safe and, uh, the, the backup plan folder has a Dharma logo on it. Yes, it does. And so, uh, it, you know, obviously Woodmore Dharma, some more connection there. Anyway, here's another call. Secondary protocol. Thank you. Whew. Anyway, another caller. Save us. Hey, Cliff and Stephanie. This is Seth from Venice, California, calling for the weekly lost podcast. One little throwaway bit I loved in last week's episode that no one seemed to mention was that when Charlotte and Daniel were down in the medical hatch, Daniel brings up a point, where do they where do they get the power from? And Charlotte says, add it to the list. And I thought that was a great little shout-out to all the fans and the growing list of mysteries that we have to solve. So I really enjoyed that. And I'm especially looking forward to tonight's episode and your guys' opinions. Thanks. Take care. Bye. All righty, and wasn't the wasn't the orchid station? Isn't that where they got the power from? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't re- remember either. But there's so much in this show; it's okay to forget something. No doubt, it's got to be. 
for some people, and, it, unless you're doing a po- unless you're a perfect person doing a perfect podcast, and then I'm you're not, not perfect. I think I already established that. <laughs> All right. So anyway, Seth, Take thank me you. Me off my pedestal. I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> Steph or Steph, uh, Seth, thank you for calling in. And here's our next caller. And I do believe this is the last caller. Hi, Cliff and Stephanie. This is Wayne from Wayne Henderson Voiceovers, and yet another awesome episode of Lost. Um, I'll call it more details on that later, but something that came to mind, um, you know, Lost, we know, is one of the best shows that's ever been on television, and want to thank J.J. Uh, Abrams, Carlton Cuse, and Damon Lindelof uh, for putting out Lost. It's so cool, so mind-thought-provoking uh, and things like that, and it, I know it's just a little over two years before Lost ends, and this is kind of like our sophomore year. It's kind of like being in high school, being in touch with other Lost podcasters and listeners um, like you, Cliff, uh, become a, a friend of mine. And then we, when Lost ends, is it going to be one of those things like the end of high school where we sign each other's yearbooks and Geronimo Jackson records and promise to keep in touch? Um, who's going to keep in touch? What are we all going to do? Just kind of looking towards the future since that's on Lost a lot. And I just think it's really, really cool. You know, because of Lost, even though it's just a TV show, it's made people some new friends, and uh, with you and uh, Stephanie, it's given you new careers. Uh, it's just really spread out, and I don't know, maybe I'm being a little too thoughtful this morning, <laughs> but I wanted to share it with you, Cliff. <laughs> this is Wayne. Talk to you later. Wayne, Bye. thank you so much. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think and I hope that many of the listeners of the Weekly Lost podcast, you know, once we get around to episode 300 or 400 or whatever we end up with i i I hope that we'll continue on uh that you guys will help hopefully you'll get to hopefully we'll find a new show yeah we'll find some new shows to cover and uh there's no question about that and and not only that but uh we invite you guys to go to gspn.tv and and begin investigating some of the other shows that we produce. Stephanie does one of my favorite shows. Actually, the favorite show that I, I think we do is called The Full-Time Mom, and I'm not in it. So uh, Stephanie and our That's friend... That's why it's the favorite. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm sorry. Stephanie does a wonderful job with her friend Sarah, and I encourage you, if nothing else... That was mean. Will you forgive me? I, I, I forgive you. Thank you. But anyway, um, it, I encourage you to just listen to one episode, and I guarantee you, you'll be hooked. And and don't just do that if you're a mom. Guys are loving the show as well. So check that one out. And of course, uh, if you've got kids, you guys need to check out the Hannah Montana Fans uh, podcast. Check this out. Cause the father of Megan's a child and they'll just let themselves go completely wild. Oh yeah, uh-huh. Ooh, Hannah Montana Fan Podcast. Ooh, talk about every episode. TV. 
Alrighty then. I, that is an amazing podcast that Megan does. And uh, if you guys know anybody who's between the ages, I don't know, 6 to 16, uh, tell them to go to gspn.tv and check out the Hannah Montana Fine Podcast. So there's lots of other shows out there that are worth looking into. And uh, I know, Michael, you took the request to talk off, but uh, you wanted to say something about the Orchid. What did you want to say? Well, I was going to say, I don't know what the Orchid is. I do know what it's not, and it's not a botanical research station. All righty. So, uh, very cool. Did so, but is is that all you wanted to say? Uh, yeah, just about. I think it's for the um, cashmere effect. It's the cashmere effect. Yeah. Very cool. Alrighty, well, uh, I'll tell you what, that's going to wrap up everything we have here, and uh, we are going to close out with what's coming up on Lost. This isn't what was supposed to happen. What's going to happen? You don't want to know. What was supposed to happen? I know. Because you don't know what's going to happen. You know what? You're not going to find out. Don't you want to know? This is Lost Away Body from Lost.about.com with this week's Lost Preview. The next episode is called There's No Place Like Home and will be part one of the finale. It airs this Thursday at 10 p.m. on ABC. Then we'll have a week off and then the second part of the finale, which will be two hours. ABC's synopsis for part one of There's No Place Like Home reads, The face-off between the survivors and the freighter people begins. Remember at this point in the series last season when the survivors were gearing up for a face-off with the others? What will happen this time? I don't know who this episode revolves around. It may be a non-specific flash-forward involving all of the Oceanic Six. We'll see the usual freighter people plus Nadia and Mr. and Mrs. Pike in this episode. We'll also see Hurley's parents and Jack's mother. But most interesting is Carol Littleton, Claire's mother. Before Claire went to the island, she visited her mother often. Her mother was in a coma after being in an accident with Claire driving. So, either we see her in a flashback, which is not likely, or she woke up from the coma, which is possible, or we'll see her on the island. This is going to be a huge episode as it sets us up for the big two-hour finale of Season 4. For more information, read my There's No Place Like Home guide and preview. This is Lost Away Bonnie Koval for Lost.about.com. Bonnie, thank you so much for your wonderful previews. And uh, folks, that's all we have for this episode. So we're going to go ahead and close things out here. We do want to invite you to go to gspn.tv slash... No, just go to gspn.tv. And uh, please consider coming to our Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky Lost Finale Party. Tell everybody you know. And uh, we would love to meet you there. It's going to be a totally awesome event. And until next time, stay Stay lost. And just one final note before I hit the stop button. Uh, For those of you guys that don't know this, you hear us talk about the chat room and stuff like that. But after every episode, we like to have a little bit of a post-show discussion. And uh, I just want to encourage you, during uh, any of the future scheduled episodes, just go to gspn.tv slash schedule, and you'll see a list of all of our scheduled shows. Uh, We would love to invite you to come and participate in our after-show discussion. So with that, we're out of here. Bye-bye.